good morning everybody. Uh, happy belated Thanksgiving. Hope you had a good uh, Thanksgiving with family, friends, and good food. Gained a few pounds. And happy December as we enter uh, the last month of the year. And uh, with, the, with the bang, and with the, uh, I don't know if that's a good thing, but anyway, uh, we'll make it a good thing. Uh, anyway, uh, we had a good uh, movie night last night. We watched The Heart of Christmas, put on by Karis. Bible College, and so we had a very awesome turnout in a uh, um, movie night last night. Uh, just a couple things for calendar. We do have our Bible study tonight at 6 o'clock. A better way to pray. And uh, it's probably our biggest group that we have all week. And so feel free to join us if you're local. And then we are taking a recess on our Saturday Bible study until January 11th, and, um, which is the second Saturday in January. And then we have have uh, two more uh, events this month outside of our normal schedule. Uh, the second Saturday of the month, which is uh, the 14th, uh, we will have a, a fellowship here. It's an open house gathering anytime after 6.30 on Saturday the 14th. Uh, excuse me, the last Saturday of the month, the 28th, uh, which is a Saturday. I think I said that twice, but uh, anyway, uh, we're having a game night. Again, just an open house fellowship. We're going to play some games, fellowship, and... Uh, both times we have good food and uh, uh, good fellowship, so feel free to come, come hungry, come bring a friend, anyone that is invited, and so feel free to join us for any of those things. So, otherwise, we, outside of Saturday night Bible study, we don't have any interruptions in our service through the month of December. Uh, everything is still uh, scheduled, so, all right? Uh, and our Bible classes are going strong. Uh, feel free to visit those on our website at Lighthouse Discipleship. So, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us by phone, text, email, uh, any of those ways will be fine. You can receive a dial-out question on the website, and we'll, we'll get back to you ASAP. So, alright. Well, go ahead and turn the Bibles this morning to Ephesians chapter 4. As we continue our series in Christ's realities, we're in our fifth week. Uh, so still kind of my fourth talk. I didn't get to finish last week. And so, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to pick it up again, uh, begin verse 20. And I'll be reading from the New King James this morning. <clears throat> and Paul writes, But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him, and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitfulness of lust. Let me read that again. Which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. We've been talking the last few weeks, and we will continue to do so for a few more, uh, about in Christ's realities. There's over 300 scriptures in the New Testament and the, and the apostles that talk about who we are in Christ. We have in no way, shape, or form uh, exhausted those verses, and probably won't, in, uh, uh, there's so, so many, but in this, we've kind of broken this up into two parts so far, and we had the first three lessons, we talked about uh, the value of our identity, and now we're in the pro talking about the process of our identity, and how that works, and whatnot. And so I spring this section of the, I'm serious with this verse, it's so rich. 
But let me just uh, uh, let me say a couple things, and then I'm gonna go back to the verse. But it just says, you know, we received a new identity when we became a new creation in Christ Jesus. When we became born again, the moment we received and believed on Jesus, I got a little back. The moment we believed, therefore received Jesus Christ, became born again, we received a brand new identity. That is not just a Christian cliche. That is not just Christianese language. That is reality. When we became born again, and we came into Christ, and Christ came into us, we received a brand new identity. That's what being born again is about. We have, we're going to talk about that a little bit more this morning. We became born again. We realize this new identity through the re- process of renewing our mind. And how do we do that? By the Word of God. We, as we study the Word, as we see what the Word of God says that we are in Christ, and as we renew our mind, as we that word renew, as we renovate our mind, renew our mind to who we are in Christ. Paul said it this way in Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Church, that must be a living reality. I don't care what we're talking about, what we're doing in this life, in this Christian life, in this life. We don't just have a Christian life on Sundays and another life in the world. That is double standard. We're either in Christ or we're in Adam. We've been crucified with Christ. We are born and we are we have a new identity and we realize this identity. We come into revelation of this, uh, this identity as we renew our mind according to the word of God. We need to renew our mind to what God says we are, who God says we are. Amen? We're born again. And if that's not a living reality in your life, you need to renew your mind. We are trans- we're going to get into this later on today and next week, but we are transformed by the of our mind. We're never going to see a transformed life if we don't renew our mind to who we are in Christ Jesus. It's not just a, a badge. It's not just fire in heaven and not hell. It's a living reality. Eternal life is not just going to heaven. Eternal life at its core is having a relationship with God through Christ Jesus. And so we can experience eternal life in that sense of having a relationship with God now. Praise God we're going to see Him face to face. Praise God we're going to be with Him for all eternity. But we can experience God now. It's not just a badge. It's not a religion. We don't preach religion here. We don't teach religion here. We teach against religion here. In other words, we hate religion. I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but we don't like religion. Even Christian religion, in that sense. I know I might offend some people, but we are preach a relationship with God. We preach that we are born again. We're going to get into it. We are regenerated. We are born again. And we now have a, we were alienated from the life of God. We've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. We reckon ourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That is who we are. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. And so I'm not ashamed of this message. I have a relationship with God. 
And as I renew my mind according to the Word of God, who God says I am in Christ Jesus, I will not live that relationship. So we, we received the new identity when we became born again. We realized that new identity by the renew our mind of the Word. And we rest and we're settled in that we're established in our new identity as we walk with Christ. As we walk with God. As we walk in the Spirit of God in this lifetime. And it takes, that's a lifetime of that. It's a, it's a process. God did not call us to be converts. God didn't even call us to be believers in one sense. He called us to be make disciples of all nations. In that we are believers. And we believe. And there's a point of that. We receive salvation by believing. By the same point in time, it's not just believing, receiving, and now it's done. No, it's, there's a process called discipleship. There's a process of being established in identity. Even a child. Even though they're born, there's a process of adolescence. There's a process of childhood. There's a process of learning how to talk, how to walk, how to sit, how to, how to function. We, we, we school them in school. We teach them manners. We teach them a responsibility. We give them chores, not just to learn an allowance. As a child, I thought that's all that was for. But it was actually to teach to teach manners and responsibilities and, and whatnot. And, and I don't know how well I did with that, but, uh, but it turned out our house is nice and clean. So, you know, um, anyway, I was going to say something about how even that. But it's just, uh, uh, we, we learn on a natural level where we have to be discipled on a spiritual level. We need to go to the mirror of God's word and see who we are. We can't see our spirit. We can't see our innermost being naturally. We can't see it in the mirror. We can't touch it. We can't smell it. We can't hear it. We can't taste it. We can't use it our natural senses. We can only see our who we are in Christ by the Word of God. Amen? And it's a walk of faith, and we live from faith to faith. Amen? But going back into this uh, scripture here in Ephesians, oh, sorry, I thought I had it on the screen. Excuse me one second. Ephesians 4, verse 20 to 24, But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. I'm going to pause here for a moment. But this phrase, so learned, that I talked about last week, means to be permeated, to be saturated. To, uh, there's something that Paul wants us to so learn in Christ. And what are we doing to so learn? We're going to so learn this truth. That is in Jesus. We are to be taught. We are to be established. We are to so learn this truth. That is in Jesus. And most of your translations will end with a colon at the end of verse 21. So Paul is going to expand on what this truth that is in Jesus that we are to so learn. And it's this, that you put off your concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed... In the spirit of your mind. That's mainly what we're focusing on in this segment of our, our series. We're renewing our mind to who we are in Christ. That includes putting off our old man and putting on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. We put off the old man and we put on the new man, but where do we do that? 
in the spirit of our minds. Paul wants us to so learn that we're the old man is dead. But we are to put on the new man, who which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. We're going to be talking about righteousness a little bit this morning. Uh, we'll spend, I got my next teaching series in January. We'll, we'll we'll have a whole series talking about righteousness. So this will be a very small version of righteousness this morning. But we are putting on righteousness. We are putting on holiness. We talked last last week about a few things that we put on when we put on Jesus Christ. When we when we became born again, we became a new creation, first of all. We became a new person. We, we received a new nature. I don't know if I got my fingers right. But we have, we have a new ministry, and we have a new message, and we have a new position in Christ Jesus. Well, today we're going to be talking about we have received a new righteousness. Uh, that, that comes with our new nature. That, that, and it is our new ministry. We have the ministry of, of righteousness. We talked about that last week. We have a message of righteousness. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. For verse 17 says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. The gospel of Jesus Christ reveals the righteousness of God. We don't do righteousness to become righteous. We put on righteousness. We put on Christ. There, uh, we put off unrighteousness, the old man. That was corrupt. We put off the former conduct. That was corrupt according to the sequel lust. You know, I had a conversation with someone this week, and I have had this conversation with multiple people through the, through the years and whatnot. You know, uh, some people uh, preach grace radically, and some people don't want to preach grace at all. And uh, uh, I didn't so much learn this through grace. I learned this through learning righteousness, which I will come out in a few weeks or next month when I get to talk about being established in righteousness. But I just want to make a quick note here is that, you know, the, the thought is that some people cheapen grace because they think they can live any way they want to. Well, that's not grace. Grace does not teach us to live any way we want to. No, grace teaches us to deny ungodliness. Grace is the power. You can't... You, um, even in the conversation, the conversation was that most people know what sin is. Well, it's not just what we shouldn't do as far as uh, steal, kill, destroy, lie. But at the same point in time, uh, anything that's not a faith is sin. I don't know what I do. We're not always walking perfectly. It's not just what we don't do do, but sometimes it's not what we don't do. And, uh, and, and, and we can't do anything in this Christian life and life in general without Christ. We can't do anything without the righteousness of God. God, uh, and, and, and it says, put off your concerning your former conduct. Well, we can't do that without Christ. We can't do that without the truth of Jesus. We can't do that without being so learned in this truth of Jesus. We need to so learn it so that we know who we are. And we're not just putting off the old man, but we are putting on the new man who is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Am I making sense? Uh, I'll expand on that a little bit more as we go forward. But let's go to, real quickly to 2 Corinthians 5.21. My favorite verse. I have a lot of favorites, but this is my favorite favorite. The passage that we're reading in Ephesians is, is close to that. But this is, this is the one that this is my all-time favorite. 
And in this verse, uh, Paul says, For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I'm going to borrow my little man over here uh, to use this. But he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. In Leviticus chapters 1 through 5, you'll have to, uh, to the Levitical law talks about five offerings. In chapter 1, it talks about the burnt offering. In chapter 4, it talks about the sin offering. In the, Le the Levitical times, which uh, the, I believe, you know, when you understand the gospel, you can understand the Old Testament a lot better. Because it's always going to point to Christ. Jesus made a statement in John chapter 5, I think it is, uh, but he says, you search the scriptures for you think in them that you have salvation. They're paraphrasing. But they, the scriptures, testify of me. So, even in the Levitical law, and I believe in many ways it's an allegory, an illustrated version of what Jesus accomplished for us. The Old Testament was a temporary. It was like a band-aid. It was like, uh, uh, it was just a temporary. But Jesus fulfilled all righteousness. Jesus fulfilled it. Once and for all. Um, the, the Old Testament was types and shadows of the real thing. I'm not following a shadow. I'm following Jesus. I'm not receiving a shadow, a type, uh, an illustration. I'm receiving the real deal, Jesus Christ. But in the Old Testament, it talks about the burnt offering and the sin offering. Now, I'll deal with the sin offering first. The sin, both, and both of them, the, the sin offering and burnt offering, when they, the person brought a lamb. Now, when they bought a lamb, they had to bring a lamb without blemish, without spot, without wrinkle, without any defect in it. It had to be a perfect, because it represented the righteousness of God without sin. He who knew no sin. Jesus had no sin, no, be, no guile in him. There was no reproach. There was no iniquity. There was no sin in him. Not only did he not commit a sin, but he was not born in the sin. Adam is a man of sin. Uh, you know, Adam brought sin on the whole, even if we never committed a sin. If we're not born again, we're still in Adam, and we are have sin. The word sin that's being used here is a noun. It's not talking about a verb. He became sin. He became sin. And, and uh, Jesus, we're, talk, we're in the Christmas season now, we're talking about Jesus being born of a virgin. Well, why did he have to be born of a virgin? It's the male that carries the seed, not the female. And G Jesus had to be born of a new... Adam is called the first Adam, or Jesus is called the second or the last Adam. There's two Adams. And Jesus is born of a virgin because he's born of the Holy Spirit. He's born of God. He's the son of God. He's not the son of Adam. He's the son of God. We were born as sons and daughters of Adam. But when we're born again, we are born of God. We're going to get into that. In just a moment, but in the, I'm trying to get back to Leviticus. Leviticus, when they would lay their hands on the man, on the lamb, and when they brought it forward, the sin of the man was exchanged to the lamb, and it was crucified or slaughtered. Uh, that's the sin offering. But the burnt offering represents the, the the unblemishedness, the righteousness of that lamb that's illustrated in that unblemishedness being transferred to the man, and it goes up as a sweet aroma to the Lord. There's no sweet aroma in our sin, but there's a sweet aroma in our righteousness. And he who knew no sin, or he who made him who knew no sin, to be sin for us, our sin offering, our propitiation, our substitute, our lamb. 
that we might become. This word become, if you study that, is where we get the word gene. And it means to be born of. That we might be born of the righteousness of God. Where? In Him. We're not the righteous of God outside of Him. We are the righteous God in Him. We, sometimes we gloss over that phrase, but, but that's key. We are the righteous of God in Him. When we stand before God one day, He's not going to ask us what we did about this sin or that sin. He's going to ask us one, what we did with Jesus. And we, he's only going to see either we are in Jesus, the last Adam, or we are in Adam, the first Adam. And he's only going to see two kinds of people. He's either going to see flesh and blood, or we're gonna, he's going to see the last Adam, Jesus, who's not flesh and blood. And we're going to get into some of this in just a moment. But, you know, uh, Paul said, and we read this, I think, last week, but Paul said, we don't know man after the flesh. We are not flesh and blood. We've been crucified with Christ. We are reckoning ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Are you following me so far? So our righteousness, the true righteousness and holiness that we put on, the true righteousness that we have become in Him, is, is, is we receive that when we became born again. We've been made righteous. We don't do righteous to become righteous. We've been made righteous. We put on a new man who is true righteous. We, ought, we didn't do anything to deserve it. He did it for us. It's his gift. It's the gift of righteousness. Which uh, I wasn't going to go there yet, but let's go to Romans 5.17. Here it says, For if by the one man's offense, Adam, the first Adam, Death reigned through the one, Adam, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through who? The one, Jesus Christ. There's a lie in this verse. <coughs> Adam messed it up for us, but as bad as Adam has messed it up for us, much more. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. See, righteousness is a gift. You can't earn it. You can't merit it. You can't deserve it. You can't live righteousness enough. Even your own righteousness is like filthy rags, Isaiah says. Um, we can't earn righteousness. Paul quotes from the Old Testament when he quotes in Romans 3.10, there's no righteous, no, not one. Without Christ, folks, we are, of all men, most miserable. There is no hope. There is no salvation. There is no righteousness. There is no hope. There is no life without Jesus. But we have Jesus. And we have life. And we have it abundantly in Christ Jesus. Christ became, became sin for us. Jesus became our sin offering. Our propitiation. Jesus did not know sin. And see, we think that's not fair. Well, that we will be righteous. We didn't know righteousness, but Jesus didn't know sin. And he exchanged his righteousness for our sin. To us, that was a good deal. For him, not so much. But he did it because he loved us. It's not the Romans, it's not the Jews that sent him to the cross. Jesus on his own. 
went to the cross for you. He chose to go because he loved you. And he was raised, it says in Romans 4.25, he was raised for our justification. He was raised for our righteousness. But going back real quick to uh, Ephesians 4.24, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. See, righteousness is not something you do. It's not something you earn. It's not something you gain. True righteousness is, is you know, well, I'm going to step on some toes here with religion. It's not based on the length of your hair. It's not based on your clothes. It's not based whether you wear makeup or don't wear makeup. It's not even based on your behavior. It, sh it should affect some of these things. Righteousness and true holiness should affect these things. Um... Because if it's not affecting those things, then I, I would have to ask, again, like the conversation I had with someone this week about grace. Well, if, if, if you think grace is giving you a license to sin, then you have not experienced grace. You don't know grace. You have not heard the gospel of grace. You have not heard the gospel of Christ. Because that is not the gospel of Christ. That is not grace. Because grace will, will set you free from sin. Grace won't give you a license to sin. And, and people are already sinning without a license anyway. So, uh, um, but grace will, will set you free from sin. Because those who think it's a license to, to live any way they want to, they have, not experienced, they have not experienced grace. They have not heard the message. They have not received the message of grace. That is not grace. That is antichrist. That is against instead of Christ. But see, true righteousness and holiness is from the inside out. If you get the root right, if you get the seed right, we're born again by the Word of God, the seed of God. If you get the seed right, if you get the source right, the fruit of righteousness will come out. The fruit of holiness will come out. But you don't, you don't change the holiness and righteousness by the changing the fruit. You change the root. You change the nature. You change the seed. You change the genes of that. We became born. Our genes were changed. Our nature was changed. It's from the inside out. And so my heart in this church, our heart in this in ministry, everything we do from our church to our Bible studies to our Bible classes, and as we grow, as we have different kinds of youth and children's ministries and men's and women's ministries and all kinds of ministries, that at its core, at its foundation, is the righteousness and truth of the foundation of this throne. That has to be the foundation, because we can build on that. But if we don't have a good foundation of who we are and what we have, we can't build that. We are in Christ. And so, hopefully this is making sense. Religion, see, religion will teach you it's based on your clothes. It's based on your, your, your hair. It's based on your makeup. It's based on what you cover your head. Religion will make you weird. Some people think we're weird. Well, sometimes I think you're weird. <laughs> you know, and uh, they quote Andrew Womack. But uh, it just, religion will make you weird. But a relationship with God will make you be as God has ordained you to be, has destiny to be. Because every seed will produce after its own kind. We are born of the seed of God. And if we know God, if we know Christ in relationship, every seed will produce after its own kind. Every dog, we guess dogs, cats beget cats, monkeys beget monkeys, uh, plants beget 
plants, roses begat roses, humans begat humans. We are born of God. And it says in, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, when Christ is revealed, we will be like we will, when we, we will um, be like him because we will see him as he is. And if you are not becoming like him, then you haven't seen him. But when you see him in his glory, you will be like him when you see him like he is. And so if your revelation of God is religious, it will make you weird. But if you see him as he is, it will make you genuine. Real. And they will see, when they see you, they should see Jesus. They, there's what the report of the, the apostles uh, in, the, in the book of Acts, they, 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 they could tell that these men had been with Jesus. They could tell how they talked, how they act, the Spirit of God, the power of God, they could tell. There are some people, they call themselves Christians, but they are an embarrassment to the body of Christ. They're an embarrassment. Some people want, don't want anything to do with God because that's the revelation they have because of, of, of what they're portraying. But people should be attracted. People were attracted to Jesus. They weren't always attracted to, the, to, to different religious people. But that the world would flock to Jesus. Not because Jesus condoned their sin. No, Jesus paid for their sin. He told them to go and sin no more. But he didn't judge them. He judged their sin. He crucified their sin. He, 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 he told them to go sin with no more. But his message was a message of mercy and grace. Not a mercy and grace to continue to sin. No mercy and grace to stop sinning. And so the people came to him. He hung out with the publicans and sinners. Let's go with me real quick to Romans chapter 10. Romans 10, 10. We use this uh, passage of scripture when we lead someone to the Lord. And we lead them into what the church is called, in some ways, a sinner's prayer. Let me just make a footnote. I don't have a problem with people praying a prayer, but there's no such thing as a sinner's prayer in one sense. Because you won't find anywhere in the New Testament where they pray the prayer to receive Christ. No, they heard the gospel, they believed the gospel, and received him. They heard it, believed it, and received Jesus. Actually, the book of Acts, you see that they heard the word of God, they believed it, and were baptized. They heard it, and the, the, the baptism of was the expression of what already took place in the heart. And, and so that's, that's uh, and so let me pick it up here in uh, verse 9, Romans 10, 9 and 10. It says, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. See, we believe them through righteousness. It's not based on our performance. First of all, we first were addressing that we were created in righteousness. We were born of righteousness. Now I'm talking about we would believe unto righteousness. It, it, what I'm trying to do, I'm trying to, ex, uh, to expose the, the, the misconception that we can perform to become righteous. No. We believe unto righteousness. We believe unto righteousness. We heard the gospel. We believe Jesus. And we believe unto righteousness. Now, I want to make a footnote here. Let's go to verses 6 and 8 through 8 for a moment here. Same context. 
But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Paul's quoting here from Deuteronomy chapter 30. Do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven. This is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss. That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. There's a lot here, and I don't know about you, but through the years I just kind of glossed over that because I didn't really understand all that. Sometimes we do that. We don't understand something, so we just gloss over it. You know, and so sometimes it's important that we, we pause for a moment and find out what's he saying here. Paul's quoting from Deuteronomy chapter 30. All scripture will teach the gospel. You've you got to remember that when Paul preached, when Jesus preached, when the apostles preached, they didn't have the New Testament yet. They preached the gospel with all scripture. What scripture do they have? The Old Testament. So they, 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 used, they preached the gospel with the Old Testament. And so we have we have both the Old and New Testament, so we, we have things that they, did, they didn't have. But, and that's why in the early church, they, they were committed steadfastly to the apostles' doctrine, to to uh, fellowship, to breaking the bread and the prayers. The apostles' doctrine, because the apostles were, were gifted by God in a sense to, to put the scriptures into uh, um, a doctrine that we believe. Um, and so we need to be founded on the apostles' doctrine, okay? And so uh, that's a whole other sub-teaching. I'm not going to go there. We talked about that a few weeks ago. Uh, but uh, here in uh, verses 6 through 8, Paul is quoting again from Deuteronomy 30, and he's saying, in other words, what he's teaching here is that Christ has already provided righteousness through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. In other words, Jesus already came from heaven. We don't need to bring Christ down again. He already came from heaven. That's what we celebrate Christmas. He already came from heaven. He lived on the earth. He lived a sinless life. He lived a holy life. He went to the grave. Uh, he, he conquered death. He rose from the dead. He already went down to hell. He took the keys. He already, he already came from heaven. He already went down to hell. He already rose again. He's already done that. We don't need to do that again. Jesus already accomplished righteousness for us. That makes sense? Okay? That, that's what, that was, that's, in a nutshell, that's what Paul's teaching here. And so and it's based on that context of different things that he goes into verses 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him already from the dead. He doesn't need to be raised again. He doesn't need to go again. But he's raised from the dead. You will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You believe in your heart first. You receive righteousness. And then you just basically confess what you believe. And, you know, and uh, people will tell me they believe God, but their confession is different. <laughs> confession, I mean, I hear people saying, I believe God can heal me or whatever, but in their conversation, I'm not hearing one ounce of faith. I'm not hearing anything trusting Scripture. I'm hearing unbelief. I'm hearing, I'm hearing other things. And again, I'm not trying to put people down. <coughs> one, I've been there. One, I've done that. It's not something I'm, I'm addressing in many ways I haven't already done myself. I've done it many times. I still do it at times. That anything that's not a faith is sin. That's a whole other rabbit trail I can go on. But, but we, if we believe the gospel, we believe the truth, we believe we're the righteous of God, then let's act like it. Let's act like it. Let's be it. If that's who we are, but if we don't even know, we don't even have a revelation who we are in Christ. We're not going to act like it. 
But if we do have the revelation of who we are in Christ, then let's do it. If we're believers, let's believe. If we trust God, let's trust God. If we're the head and not the tail, let's be the head. If we're blessed and not cursed, let's be blessed. If we're healed, let's be healed. If we are the family of God, then let's be a family. Let's act like it. Stop fighting and fussing with one another and let's be unified. Let's preach the gospel and, 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 and let's, let's be the church of God. But he says, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus is the Son of God, you will be saved. That word saved, sozo, is an all-inclusive word. You know, it's like one of those advertisements, and there's more. And there's more. There's so much in this salvation. It's an all-inclusive word that includes, yes, our sins being forgiven, but includes healing, wholeness, prosperity. Wholeness. I love that word, wholeness. Because if there's something in your life that is not whole, then salvation has provided it. You know, people talk about cheapening grace is because people think it's a life of sin. Well, when we don't take the fullness of what Christ has done, we cheapen grace. We're saying that Christ, you went through the cross to give me an, an eternal inheritance, an eternal redemption, but I'm not going to use all of it. Or any of it. That's cheapening grace. That's antichrist. That's against Christ. That God's not glorified in that. But God wants to be glorified in the Son. He says, ask in my Father's name that the Father might be glorified in the Son. Because Jesus has accomplished a great salvation, a great inheritance in Christ Jesus. It's not in the world. It's not in our religion. It's not in our performance. It's in Christ. For all the promises of God in Him are yes and amen in Him for the glory of God by us. But they're in Him. There's a treasure, but it's in Him. There's promises, and all of them are already yes and amen. And anytime we say no, where God says yes, we cheapen grace. Even when, anytime when God says amen, and we say no, not yet, we're not qualified, or that's too good to be true, we cheapen grace. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace is the power to be free from sin. Righteousness is the power to be free from sin. We await to righteousness and sin not. 1 Corinthians 13, 34. But we are the righteous of God. We are the children of God. We are been redeemed. Then let's live like it. Not just to stop sinning, but let's do it to move some mountains. Let's do it to heal the sick. Let's use it to raise the dead. Let's use it to set free those who are oppressed. For the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. Let's go there real quick. Isaiah 61. I wasn't going to go there. But I'm preaching myself happy this morning. So, the quote of Joseph Prince. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings. That's the gospel. To the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, in the opening of the prisons to those who are bound, to proclaim the sinful year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, 
to cover all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called what? Trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. God's not glorified when you are not don't know who you are in his righteousness. They shall rebuild the old rooms, and they shall raise up the former desolation, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolation of many generations. Strangers will stand and feed your flock, and the son of, your, of the foreigner shall be your plowman and your vine dressers, but you shall be named the priests of the Lord. Amen? We're kings and priests. He's redeemed us by his blood to be kings and priests. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord, and they shall call you the servants of our God, and you shall eat the riches of the Gentiles. And in your glory you, sh you shall boast. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their, in their land they shall possess double and everlasting joy. I'm sorry, everlasting joy shall be theirs. I wasn't going to go here, but I'm just going to follow this. Go with me to Isaiah 52, verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. This, the Spirit of the Lord is, is upon me so I can preach this gospel. And it's not just me because I'm behind a pulpit or a pastor. We are all able ministers of the new covenant. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. But how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, and who says to Zion, his church, his people, his bride, your God reigns. That's our message. Sin doesn't reign. Sickness doesn't reign. Death doesn't reign. Christ reigns. And he's in us. And we are in him. Isaiah, we're going to go here, but Isaiah chapter 9, it fits perfectly with the season that we are just entering into. For unto us, unto who? Us. Unto who? Us. Who's us? Are you included in us? Am I included in us? Unto us, a child is born. Unto who? Us. A child is born. Unto us a son is given. Jesus, the child, the Messiah, has been given to you and to me. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And that the increase of his government... And peace, there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice. You study that word justice out. It's the same word for righteousness. God. Our government is not in control. Sin is not in control. The kingdom of darkness is not in control. No, the government is upon his shoulder. 
And this child, whom the government is on his shoulder, has been given to us. It's the greatest thing we can receive. That makes sense? We have received this righteousness from God. Um, Jesus has made righteousness, salvation, available to every man. You believe your way into it. It's not, that's what I'm trying to communicate this morning. We don't, we don't, it's not, it's not based on something we do. It's based on something we believe. By grace you are saved through faith. We live from faith to faith, from grace to grace, from glory to glory. From the glory of the old covenant to the glory of the new ministry of conduct, ministry of righteousness, the ministry of the spirit, the ministry of reconciliation, which I've talked about the last couple weeks. I'm making sense this morning. I've gone on some rubber trails. Let's go with me real quick to Ephesians 5. Verse 8. It says, For you were once darkness, as past you were once darkness, not no more. But now, but now, what's now? You were once darkness, but now. We need to make sure we get that B-U-T in the right place. But now, you are light. Where? In the Lord. You're not light outside of God. But, for you were once darkness, but now you are that's present tense. You are. You're not will be, not could be, not should be. You are light in the Lord. But walk as a light. If we're in the light, if we're the children of light, the Bible, Jesus said, we are the light of the world, then let's be the light. How many know our world is very dark? It's time to turn the light on. Jesus is known as the light of the world, came to us, but he said, now says, we are the light of the world. We were dark. We were dark just like the world. But God, Jesus came in us and turned the light on. Now it's time for us to light up the world. That makes sense? We're children of the light. We're children of the day. Not the night. So we talk about many different things. We talk about righteousness. I'm going to expand on that a few more, a lot, a lot more deeper when we get to in January, into the year. But we're now talking about we have become regenerated. In other words, we've been regened. We've been made new in Christ. What does it mean to be regened? Okay, let's go to Titus 3, 3, 5. Sometimes we hear these words, but we don't necessarily know what they mean. Titus 3, 5, but read gene. What is, what's a gene? I, my genes come from my father, my parents. I've been gene. But when we're born again, we are, well, our genes come from our Heavenly Father. We're born again. We've been read genes. No disrespect from our natural parents. But if I follow my natural parents, their genes, we can all follow our, our parents' natural genes and we'll all go back to Adam from a natural point of view. 
But those of us who are born again, no disrespect to our natural parents, but he is my father. And that is more real. That is more real than my natural genes. Does that make sense? Because that's real. Whether you agree with it or not, whether you accept it or not, whether you have the revelation of that or not, if you're born again, then your genes being connected to your Heavenly Father are more real than your natural. That's why Paul says we are to do the good to all people, especially to the family of God. Titus 3 5 says this. I gotta figure out the short. But when the kindness of the love of our God and Savior toward man appeared, that was Jesus, not by works of righteousness which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. This is awesome. We weren't saved by any works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. We were saved by his mercy, not because of what we did by. And he, and he saved us by his mercy but through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So we're going to look at this uh, regeneration here for a moment. See, again, we can't overlook that part of mercy. I just want to draw that out for a moment. But according to his mercy, he saved us. Folks, we have to understand and be reminded sometimes, we all deserve I don't care how good you were. I don't care how your morals and different things. But who wants to be the best sinner in hell? We all deserve hell. We deserve hell. But we receive heaven. We deserve hell. But we receive life. Life of last. We receive an eternal inheritance redemption. We receive an eternal life through Jesus Christ. We don't deserve it. There's nothing you did that deserves anything you have. Anything you have, any good thing you have in your life, in your family, is because of His mercy and His grace, His goodness. You don't deserve it. But we've been regenerated. We have a new Abba, which means Father. God is my Father. I am in His family. I have the same Spirit of Christ. I am a new creation. I am created in Christ. I have a new life. I have new power. I have a new ability. I have a new nature in Jesus. We've been redeemed. We've been born again, not a corruptible seed, Adam. We've been born again, not an incorruptible seed, Christ. And there's no corruption in that genes. There's no generational curse. There's no generational sickness. There's no generational addiction. There's no generational anything. Because there's only one gene, Christ, our Abba. And there is no corruption in that gene. We've been regenerated, regened, and there's no generational curse in that. 
Everybody says, we were once in darkness, but we've been regained into the family of God. We're part of the family of God. You ever dreamed of growing up of maybe some families you would just like to be a part of that family, whether it would be a king, royalty, or someone popular, or Billy Graham's family, or someone that, you know, you just really esteem. Someone that, you know, not just because they're rich, although that would be, might, might be part of it too, but just, you would just love to be part of that inheritance and that legacy and that whatever. But we're part of the family of God. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. You can't, you can't get any better. We're in His family. So, they used to say that we, He carries our, our, our picture in His wallet. Of course, most people don't carry pictures in the wild so much anymore. They do it on their cell phones. It's in the cloud. <laughs> you know? Uh, it's it's, it's a, a different thing. Well, well, whatever device God had, He had to do a picture. And we can all say we're His favorite kids. And we've been renewed, we've been restored, we've uh, regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Read me this uh, Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 1. It says, And you have been made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins. We were dead, but we've been made alive in Christ Jesus. You know, there's three, uh, Lawson Purdue talks about three different kinds of generations, so I'm just going to steal his line uh, with this. There's a natural generation which we all are familiar with, with, with our genes come from our parents, our physical man, our mankindness, uh, which we can always, we can, we can all trace our family tree all the way back to Adam, all of us could. So there's a natural generation, but there's also a social, economic generation. Uh, it's where you live, it's how you grew up. You know, based on how we grew up by our parents, our family, and also our society, our culture, our, the era that we live in. We live a lot different than we did back in the 1800s, 1700s, and so on. Uh, our values are different than they were 100 years, 200 years ago, 1,000 years ago. You know, just because we're in a different era, we're in a different culture. Uh, 1,000 years ago, this country didn't even exist. Uh, Americans weren't even known. And so, uh, you know, so... Uh, but so there's, there's all kinds of social and economic generations. But it's in those generations, it's in those generations, both our natural one and also our social or economical generations, that we develop sometimes, to, from a natural point of view, we develop, this is how things ought to be. This, it's how we see life. It's our world view. The Bible says that the man thinketh in his heart, so is he, Proverbs 23, 7. But we need to think in a new dimension. We need to think in a new likeness. That, that we need to think like our Abba, Father. We need to think as we are who we are in Christ. Because that's the title of this message. In Christ's realities. We need to renew our mind by the word of God who we are. There's a third kind of generation I'll go into in just a second. But before I go there, I'm going to believe the first John. Chapter 4, verse 17. Well, I've been 
perfected upon us in this way that we may go, we ha may have boldness in the day of judgment. This is the phrase I just want to piggyback on, because as he is, so are we where? In this world. Not just in the world to come. There is a world to come. There is a new heaven and there is a new earth. But in this world, we will be like as he is, so are we in this world. And if you don't think like that, if you don't think who you are in him, if you don't change the way you think, you can't go there in the natural. If you don't change your imagination, if you don't change and renew your mind to your identity in Christ, you can't go there in the there's certain things I just can't go there until I, we, we, we think like that. See, there's a, uh, there's a natural generation, there's a social economic generation, but there's also a third one, is the one that we're focused on, is the spiritual generation. We have been begotten of God. We've been born of God. We've been born again. We are put a new man, going back to Ephesians 4, 24, we are put on a new man who's created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. We've been created of God. We have a new man. We have a new spirit. Go with me to 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. And Peter says it this way. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his we are a new generation. No disrespect to our natural or even our social, but we are a new generation. We are a new priesthood. We are a new nation. His own special people. For what purpose? That we may proclaim the praises of him who calls out darkness into his marvelous, marvelous light. That making sense? We are a chosen generation. We, we didn't do it. We didn't earn it. We didn't. This wasn't our idea. We weren't that smart. <laughs> but we were a chosen generation. God saw this generation back in Abraham. God saw this generation from the before the foundation of the world. We have always been a chosen generation. All these allegories and, and whatever before this generation, the church, the body. We could have come up with this on our own. We're not that smart. We could have done that, but we haven't chosen. Real quick, go read Ezekiel chapter 36. Okay, pick it up, verse 26. But he said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and you will keep my judgments in you. There's a lot here. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail with this right now. But we have a new heart. We've been regenerated. We've been born again. And in that whole process of that, we've got a new heart. We had a heart of stone. But in Christ we have a new heart. We became born again. Go with me real quick as we wrap this up for the, today. John chapter 3. 
forget verse. Well, I'll forget verse one. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night. That's interesting. And said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher and come from God. For no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most surely I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born again? Born when he is old. Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. There's a lot in this story with Nicodemus. First of all, he's a Pharisee. He comes in at night. Jesus was a radical grace preacher. He was a radical. And he came at night, probably not because of a big stir, but he had some questions. He was intrigued by the, the miracles and power that Jesus demonstrated in his ministry. And he knew that only, only God could do that type of thing. But the conversation went towards being born again. And in verse 5, Jesus makes this statement. Jesus answers that most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter in the kingdom of God. And there's different takes on this and whatnot, and I don't, I don't have the time today to go into all the detail with this. But being born of water, and, and this is one thing I've heard, and I like this. You know, when we were born naturally, just before you were born, your mother's water broke. And to have authority on this earth, you have to have a body. And the Apostle Paul, for example, doesn't have authority on earth now because he doesn't have a body. He's still alive. He's in heaven. He's with the Lord. But he doesn't have a body, so he doesn't have authority on this earth. He still has authority in one sense that we have his written, you know, his epistles and, and one now we read those, and so so he ha has his mark in that sense. But he he can't he can't heal the sick. He can't he can't uh, raise the dead. He can't do things because he doesn't have a body. We have to have a body to have an authority. See, once you die, you lose that authority. You can't be born again unless you're first born naturally, and then also being born spiritually. And to be born of the flesh and born of the spirit. That makes sense. It says one view, and it's not like that. In other words, there's whatever is flesh is flesh, and whatever is spirit is spirit. And uh, uh, there's an outward man, there's also an inward man, there's a physical man, and there's also a spiritual man. And uh, God made man in his likeness. God made man in his own image. Adam, I believe, in many ways, made flesh and blood in the world where I don't want to go off on this too much. I don't open a whole can of worms, but he made the man of sin. He, he, but more importantly, the, our spirit man died. But through Christ, we've been born again. We've been regenerated. In other words, I want to really go to the word. 
and the word, like a seed, took root on the inside of us, and we became a new creation in Christ. We're not just born of flesh. We are born of God. And his word, his nature, his seed, took up residence on the inside of us, and we became born again. We were Because we're born again, we are born into victory. We are born into authority. We are born into health. We are born into wealth. We are born into righteousness. We are born into wisdom. We are born into the new covenant. We are born into the family of God. First Peter 1.3 says this. I think we looked at this last week. First Peter 1.3 says this. But blessed be the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us, that phrase begotten, born us, we've been born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We've been born again to into a living hope, into an inheritance that we have in Christ. We did not do anything to earn it. We didn't do anything to deserve it. We inherited the blessing of God, the life of God in Christ. So what happened when we believed in Christ? We were created brand new. We were destined to the seed and we have received an inheritance into the family of God. Talked about a lot of different things this week and last week about who we are in Christ. I have not exhausted this. We're going to pick it up next week as we get into Romans chapter 10. And we're going to, uh, uh, no, excuse me, Romans chapter 12, we're talking about renewing our mind. We're still talking about being renewed. We've been born again. We have a new identity. But need, we need to be reprogrammed. And just letting you know, this whole renewing the mind is a lifetime. It's not just you get it now. There's a starting point. There's a, there's a, there's a revela uh, revelation moment where that, 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 that starts. But we must keep renewing our mind. Why? There's many reasons why, but one of them, we get information all the time in this world. And we have to detox from that. And we have to be renewed who we are in Christ. We just need a reminder. We need to be reminded who we are. We need the mirror of God's word to be reminded, you know what, this flesh is not who I am. This is who I am. And I'm not going to live by the flesh to be carnally, naturally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And I'm going to let the, my mind, my life, be governed, be, uh, be governed by Him, who I am in Him, not by this flesh. Okay, uh, um, I'm not just flesh, but I'm born again. I'm just uh, been regenerated. I am the righteousness of God in Him. I am the head. I am above and not beneath. I am a child of God. I am born of God. I'm God born. Uh, I'm his child. I see and so am I in this world. I've been regenerated. And so this is the process of identity. We've already been born again. We, it's not the process to get our identity, but it's a, it's a process of renewing our mind to our identity. That makes sense? And we need that. It, it's called discipleship. That's why... Jesus has called us to make disciples of all nations. He didn't just tell us to be converts and now we're on our own. Even a child, if 
from naturally speaking, a child, we, we teach our child the values of life, the principles of life. We educate them. We send them to school. Uh, it's, a child, it's a parent's responsibility to train a, train a child the way they should go. Uh, we're not dependent on our, our um, educational system. When it's good, they, I thank God for it. When it's bad, I don't. <laughs> they, they didn't, God didn't do that. But it's a, it's a parent's responsibility to train a child the way it should go. And, uh, and, and God can give you the wisdom and the, the, the why not to teach and train your child, even in this dark world that we live in. Because we are the light of the world. We have the Spirit of God. And we have everything that we need for life and godliness in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so we have everything we need. And so, uh, does that make sense? In one sense, it's not the church's responsibility to train our children. I pray that we will grow. We have children's church and we have children's ministries, but it's the parents' responsibility. Our job is to help the parents do their job. And so, uh, and so that's our job. And so, um, we, have our, we have a part to play ministering all the people there. Does that make sense? I don't want to get off of and I'm not nerd so much. But we, we're talking about in Christ realities because who we are in Christ is real. But we need to renew our mind to that. Lord, we worship you this morning. We exalt you. Lord, we uh, end this Thanksgiving weekend. Lord, we just pause in the middle of our, of our busyness and we just say thank you. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for our Messiah. Thank you for our Redeemer. Thank you for life. Thank you for everything we need. Thank you for righteousness. Thank you for regeneration. Thank you for the Word. Uh, thank you for the written Word so we can study to show ourselves approved. Thank you, Lord, for all these things. And thank you for those who have um, been in our lives, our parents and our, and our pastors and ministers and people like Andrew and others who have ministered to us so that we can know the truth and be set free. In Jesus' name we give you thanks. We thank you for one another. We thank you for the body of Christ. We thank you for our families. In Jesus' name we give you thanks. Amen, amen. God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Join us tonight at 6 if you can. Otherwise, we'll see you next week.